All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Welcome to the Wally and Mathot Show, everybody. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot, and we are back, baby. Uh, as always, the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford, the nation's capital, best Ford dealer. And of course, go check them out online at barhavenford.com. Math, nice to see you again. What have you been up to? Well... Wally, it's good to see you as well. And Craig, of course, uh, behind the scenes right now doing all the work. I uh, haven't done a whole lot. It's been a it's been a long summer, I guess. Uh, we just got back from a wedding, Mark and Haley Stone's wedding. So we had a little bit of fun in Vegas for about five days. Some travel issues, but we'll get into all that after. All right. Yeah, because it seemed like you just name dropped. Like, I just went to a little wedding, Mark Stone, you might know. Um, <laughs> one sec. So by the way, it's our six-month anniversary. I know you probably brought me back a gift from Vegas for this special occasion, right? Yeah, I had okay. no idea. Uh, okay, yeah. six, so I didn't know we were celebrating half yeah. years here. Six no, months think, is just six yeah. months. No, I think it's a gold bar. Anyway, um, okay. we got some All new right. stuff planned in the show coming up. One of these is that uh, our Thursday show, like this, is going to be more of an interview-type show with perhaps a former player or current player. And as well, on a Monday, it's going to be more newsy-type. We're going to bring in a media member. We're going to go over some more of the headline stuff. But we'll always bring up the news and notes of the day. Plus, we're going to add in live shows. And whenever needed, we will jump on and do live shows. So that's a big part that's coming up. Also, we got some new things thrown into the show. We will still have Mathot takes as we like those. And three for three and a few other those things that you've come to know and love. And that's, of course, Igor Sokolov will continue to be a member of the show. But for now, um, let's get back to the Vegas wedding and sell me. Uh, just give me the lowdown. All right. Just tell me uh, all the dirt. 
Did anybody stand up and say no to the wedding? This should not happen. Nobody stood up, but um, it was it was a cool experience because obviously my wife Ellie and I never never been to Vegas for a wedding, and it was and it was my first time going married and not with a bunch of guys as a single young Mark Mathot. So it was it was a good experience though because you know I came back feeling good. I wasn't hungover every morning. Uh, were you in bed at ten? Pretty yeah, pretty well. Pretty well every night. We were working out lots. We had the gym to ourselves because we weren't staying at a casino hotel. We were at the Waldorf, which is sort of a, a, a hybrid between a hotel and residence. But it was really nice. We had a great time. And yeah, so the wedding was on Saturday and it was on a golf course. Uh, beautiful setup that they had there. And um, the ceremony itself was outside. It had to have been 40 degrees. <laughs> so they had a cool garden style cocktail uh, dress code so you weren't wearing suits per se it was more of like a you know like a, a very aggressive floral pattern collared t-shirt with like dress pants and slacks or whatever you had and the girls all looked great as well so it was good and um got to i run into a few people uh, zach smith was there andrew hammond was there uh cody cc was in the party with brady kachuk um and i got to talk to everybody i had a good chat with um with brady and we went over a lot of different things and um he's doing really well I, I was shocked you know I, I was saying to Smitty we were sitting side by side we were drinking some weird bourbon that's the first wedding I ever had a drink in my hands during the actual ceremony <laughs> but, <laughs> but um but no Brady was great you know he he uh he really has really filled out I said that on Twitter and I meant it uh and Smitty had to chime in on that because Smitty actually played with Brady and said that Brady always had that very big lower body but you know wasn't really that built up to upstairs yeah. and boy, he's, he's, he's really turning into a man. Like you could tell he's been putting in the work and, and he's maturing because uh, I couldn't imagine moving a guy like that around net front. I didn't realize how tall he was. You know, I played against him that one game when I came to Ottawa, but boy, he's got to be six, four, maybe close to six, five and, and, and big, you know? So uh, he'll be a nightmare to play against this year. I'm assuming. Did you watch any time he took a phone call? Like, was there many phone calls that he was taking? <laughs> was he texting? Oh. Listen, listen, uh, we had a, we had a lot, lot to talk about, um, you know, as far as his negotiations go, that's none of my business. It's a big thing that obviously people are going out of their way to keep kind of secret. And I know yeah. I did tell him that, you know, the, the city loves him and that even myself, you know, I like as much as the next guy, I would love for him to sign with Ottawa because I'm a fan as well. So I, I, I feel like, you know, things should work out, but you never know, right? In this business, you know, you want to get paid what you're worth. And of course, no exception for a player like Brady Kachuk. Do you think uh, he could use the money? Because the only picture I saw was him without a shirt on at the reception. Oh, yeah. And he's he's a he's a fiery guy. You know, like he was walking <laughs> around. Um, he that that so the, the groomsmen all had obviously dress shirts and a vest on top, like a, like a traditional wedding. The shirt came off. The vest stayed on. So he's walking around with a vest on. And I, I think. He stole some guy's top hat as well. Um, an older gentleman that I actually met at the airport, airport after the fact. And, and uh, he was corralling older women on the dance floor and dancing with them and get it, keeping everyone very lively, just a character. And, and, but, but furthermore, uh, like a really down to earth uh, uh, people person, you know, like he's, he's very sociable. He knows how to talk to people. He knows how to bring people in. And uh, to me, uh, what a guy. And, and really, I mean this, uh, you know, he came, he went out of his way to come and talk to me and I, you know, I didn't want to bother him. He was very busy, but he, he made the rounds. He was very, uh, very nice and very outgoing. So um, the Sen's got a good one there in him. He is a really good dude. Uh, what other stories can you tell us from the wedding? Did it go the off? 
Oh, no, the speeches, yep. the speeches. So they had us in this big tent outside because it was 40 degrees. So the reception wasn't where the ceremony was. We had to get back on the bus and drive down the street to the, uh, to the clubhouse. Like we're, wow. you know, we're, we're the, at the golf course and beautiful location. And they had us up in this big tent that was air conditioned heavily. So you walk in and you're like, Oh my God, it's cold in here, but it was nice. And all the Vegas golden Knights <laughs> were there as well. A lot of the players were there. Uh, didn't really talk to any of them, but um I, I sat at a table. We were right. We were really close, actually, to the to the bridal party's table, which was nice. I was worried that I'd be buried somewhere in the back, but we were right up front and center. And um, I sat with Smitty and, and Hammer, and we had some drinks and had some laughs, and we were dancing. And uh, Stoney's uh, speech was incredibly short and stoic, as we all know Mark Stone is. Uh, and Haley followed suit, and uh, some good speeches from their parents and all that. But I mean, it came down to the party afterwards. They brought In and Out burgers. I'm a huge fan oh, of In-N-Out. That's for those score. who aren't aware, it's a big, it's a big fast food chain in the states down on the west coast. It was great. Uh, I got, I had the spins after I had a burger or two, so I had to go sit outside <laughs> on a rocking chair. But I didn't get any relief on the rocking chair because it was 42 degrees outside. So uh, I finally kind of came back to my senses and I was okay. And the party continued, and uh, we still made our way home. I think I got home around 1 a.m. It wasn't that late. And uh, we had a great time. Really nice wedding. Uh, did Ellie shed a tear during the speeches? <laughs> oh, no, no. You couldn't <laughs> shed a tear during Mark Stone's speech. I, he was getting me ready for a hockey game. It was so focused, but but really beautiful. And 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 like I said, it was done up properly. We were, we were really excited to be there. Very happy for Haley and Mark. Yeah. Uh, it worked out really well. Was there a C sewn on the inside of Brady's jacket? No, no C's, no liner. I can't... Uh, <laughs> Can't confirm. The only thing I can confirm, and it was based off a few pictures, was Cody Cece's shoes were a different color than the rest of yeah. the groomsmen. Other yeah. than that, uh, but Cece, like Cece, another guy, like just a great guy, and um, happy for him. He's going to be going to Edmonton, and um, just a like he's he's probably probably one of the nicest players yeah. I've ever played with. And Cece yeah. didn't disappoint. He was there. We were traveling with he and his wife Jamie, and uh, we had a good chat with them. And he's pumped for his year. So. Everyone's excited. Smitty was doing well, lost a lot of weight, very skinny, uh, very lean, I should say, uh, doing, doing a lot of biking, but I think he's still having some back trouble. So he's not really able to lift too many weights. So uh, unfortunate to hear that, but he's doing well. Him and his wife, Britt, were doing, doing good too. You posted a lot of pictures of the gym as you talked about in food. What was your favorite thing that you got to do with Ellie uh, while you were there? I'm a, I'm a dinner guy, right? Like I, I look forward to food. So, so Mark Stone hooked me up with a dinner reservation at Carbone, which is a really nice Italian spot there in Vegas. And it's like a six month waiting list to get in. And I'd been to the one in New York before Rick Nash, when he was playing with the Rangers, got us a reservation when I was playing with Ottawa uh, in New York city at the Carbone location there. So we had a really nice dinner there, but we, we got, my wife and I kind of got into a routine where we'd get a good workout in, in the morning enjoy the afternoon doing whatever on the pool drinks, whatever it might be. And then um, we'd go to dinner, but an hour and a half early and get dirty martinis in the casino, walk around people watch. Cause that never disappoints. No. And then we'd go to our dinner rezzo with a nice little glow on and had food. And we'd usually pass out early after dinner. We didn't really have a lot of endurance <laughs> afterwards, but, but really all, all around a good trip travel now. And this is my last little thing I'll say on this vacation Travel these days, it was a pain in the, in the in the behind, I should say. Prior to COVID, it's it's even worse now. The amount of hoops you got to jump through, understandably, of course, to get it across the border now with customs, showing all your 
uh, you have to download this ArriveCan app and fill out a, a form, a COVID form, get a PCR test overseas that you have to pay for. Uh, it's, it's tough. And then, of course, a lot of people going to customs in line don't even have their paperwork, so it prolongs the process. There's tons of delays. Uh, we almost missed our flight uh, coming back. It was just, it was tough. So again, uh, be weary if you're planning on going to the States or anywhere else uh, overseas. It's it's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I don't plan on going anywhere. I just like being yeah. here with you. Stay. Uh, okay, that's very kind. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll wrap this up. And it's good to see you back. Yeah. The one thing I do remember with Vegas, though, and you didn't touch on it. I'm not sure if you did it, but did you walk much? Oh, so, all we did was walk. The strip you think the hotel is like right over there or it's right no. over there. It's a no. million miles away by the time you walk. Yeah, right? Like that's exactly. the whole deceiving well, thing. And the strip, the strip is pretty grungy, you know, like, oh, yeah. like when yeah. you're going up and, 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 and I hate seeing it, but there's lots of homeless people and they're sleeping on the streets and there's drunk people walking around everywhere. Understandably. So of course, but um, it's not as glamorous as you think it is unless you get back in towards that hotel. And then even in the mornings, yeah. like we'd get up at like six 30 sometimes because of the time change with our coffee, walking to like a hotel to get a Starbucks. And there's people still gambling in their clothes from the night before with a drink in their hand. The anxiety that gave me Wally, like just <laughs> seeing them still awake and gambling and smoking so cigarettes yeah. at like 7am. And I'm like, Oh my God, I do not envy that at all. But yeah. other than, <laughs> but I mean, they're in Vegas. They're allowed to do what they want. It's a free country. Just well, that wasn't my bag. I'm, I'm over that phase. But I'm just wondering like the mindset that you have to be at 7 a and maybe they oh. i don't know maybe they're from europe but at 7 a.m no. piling coins into a coin machine they're not yeah they're not from europe you can hear them screaming it's couples <laughs> like like normal like some of them look a little different you know they yeah. look like they've had it rough for a little while and any of the others that are just dressed up and look like they were just had a good night out and they're still yeah. up so again um not what my wife and I did this, this time around with the kids at home and all, we wanted to come back rested and I didn't want to have to have a vacation from my vacation. So I made the right call. Perfect. Yeah. Good to see you back. Always smart. I always Amen. Like you. Yep. You played a safe game as we like to say. <laughs> Very conservative. Uh, yes. Uh, so coming up on the show, we have uh, Brian Boucher. Uh, of course, he's the dad of Tyler Boucher, the 10th overall pick. Um, yeah. It's brought to you by whitewaterbeer.ca. Don't forget to use the wall. I'm a thought coupon code. Uh, and as well for the upcoming season, you want to fill up your fridge. So go to what uh, shop whitewater.ca use the one thought coupon code 15% off for all your purchases. Okay. Here's something we got new plan math. And I don't even think you've seen this. Uh, John Pearlberg is the TSN stats guy for all the sense games for the most part. And then he also does CFL games, but he and I, when I was there, we used to try to find the strangest, quirkiest kind of notes to put in the broadcast. So any of those notes you see in the broadcast, John Pearlberg has done. And, we spent nice. hours upon hours trying to find these things. So I used to compile a, a stats package about five pages long for the broadcast each game, and he would do almost the same. So we had a ton of notes, and half of them never made it in the show. But I reached out to him and said, listen, I'd love to see what kind of quirky stuff you can come up with. So in our show now, we're going to use this thing. It's called, his name is Pearl Burks. We're going to call it Pearls of Wisdom. And uh, so I'm going to take a look. Here's the first Pearls of Wisdom we have in today's show because they just got some weird stuff so here it goes 19 players have had a son drafted in the top 10 two players have had two sons drafted in the top 10 and one of those is paul reinhardt the other one by the way is keith kachuk and then oh, finally nice. one goalie has had a player drafted in the top 10 just one nhl goalies had this son drafted in the top 10 that's brian boucher who's our guest today 
see, so that's the kind of excitement you're going to see in the show. I'm pumped. That's great. What a what a great little hookup we have now. That's awesome. That means yeah. I don't have to go digging for obscure stats or you, Wally. That's good. I love I it. Wasn't, yeah, you, you were never expected to do that. But uh, no chance. But, but Pearlberg, we'll have him all one time to talk about because he's got good stories and he comes up with some crazy stuff. So uh, he's already working on the next show. Now, uh, speaking of Brian Boucher, in case you don't know, here's another new feature. It's the pre-scout of Brian Boucher brought to you by Bonisher Excavating Inc., helping to shape the Ottawa Valley for all your heavy equipment rental needs. Check them out at BonisherExcavating.com. All right, Brian Boucher is born January 2nd, 1977 in Moonsocket, Rhode Island. Drafted 22nd overall by the Flyers in 1995. He played 328 NHL games. By the way, he played for the Flyers three times. And his maybe his biggest claim to fame, never allowed a goal to Mark Mathot. Oh, well, I mean, that's not saying very much, but <laughs> thanks for that, Wally. <laughs> Uh, we're already sure back this... into the meth, into the, in the meth chirps, eh? <laughs> I've missed you. It's been a month. Uh, that's okay. You're fair yeah. game as well. I'm, I'm aware of this. Yeah, I know. I did put on a normal shirt today, just in case anything were to go sideways. Uh, <laughs> so let's get to the Brian Boucher uh, interview. So when we're going to take a quick break. When we return, Brian Boucher, the lead analyst for NBC, uh, ESPN, their new NHL package. Uh, mm-hmm. And he worked for NBC for a really long time, which might play a part in the fact that his Wi-Fi is down right now. So when we talked to him, he was on his data plan and it's a little bit wonky at the beginning. So we're going to blame NBC and Comcast for all the delays and all the wonkiness at the beginning of the interview. But the interview is really good. Uh, So uh, you're going to see that. We're going to talk about Tyler. We're going to talk about lots of different things going on. Uh, Tom Wilson names come up, of course. So we'll listen to all that. Uh, But for now, you're watching the Wally Mathot Show powered by Barhaven Port. Matthew and I have been to Barhaven Ford to check out their custom lineup of BFC F-150s, Rangers, Mustangs. But now they've added a new teammate, customizing the all-new Bronco in the BFC look. Also coming up from September 16th to the 18th, Barhaven Ford is having a VIP clear-out sale on all their used vehicles. They have some of the largest inventories of used vehicles in the Ottawa area. Come on down 555 Dealership Drive in Barhaven and check out the many different makes and models. All right, welcome back to the show and welcome into the Whitewater Chat. 13-year NHL veteran, now the ESPN analyst, and of course, the proud father of one, Tyler Boucher, the 10th overall pick in this year's draft. Brian Boucher, welcome to the show, our friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to be on. Okay, let's start with Tyler, because that's the big news, and obviously the one you probably want to brag the most about, and rightfully so, as you should as a proud dad. Can you take us through that draft night? Because did you realistically think he was going anywhere near the top 10? Uh, no, I, I actually honestly thought he probably was more like a, like a 20, like around there. That's what I thought what would happen. And, um, you know, the indications that I got were that, he, you know, his advisor had said he's going to go first round. And I was like, okay. And then you kind of wonder where, where it'll, where it will be. And, um, I, I got indication that Ottawa liked them, um, but I also didn't think that they were going to take him with a 10th overall pick. The, you know, the indication that I got was that I think they had two picks, like 30-something and 40, maybe, like two early second rounders. They wanted to flip those two, uh, those two picks and move into, like, maybe the 20 range. Um, so, you know, that's what I, that's initially what going in. I thought maybe that could have been a possibility, but uh, I also heard that there were some teams that liked them in the teens. So I think that's probably why he ended up, uh, they had to make a decision 
at 10 because uh, they made those trades. He might not have been there uh, in the 20s anyhow. So uh, it worked out in his favor. It's crazy to see how that whole draft process unfolds. Being on the other side of it now, I, I got to kind of understand the workings of it. And uh, I'm really happy for him. It was, it was like I said, uh, I think I had an interview afterwards. You know, it was a hard year for him injury-wise yeah. and, and, uh, and getting COVID and stuff like that. He missed some time. Uh, when he played, he played well. Uh, you just never know how it's going to unfold, right, when you don't play that many games. And fortunately, I think teams saw value in his play when he did play. And, and hopefully all those injuries are out of the way and he can, he can take off now. Now, you went 22nd overall to the Flyers in 95. Is it a lot more nerve-wracking to watch your son go through this than it is for you to go through it? Uh, he was probably more nervous than I was. <laughs> uh, I, I felt, you know, I, I, I had a good feeling that he was, you know, going to go in the first round. I, like I said, I just didn't know where. Uh, you know, I, I kind of got a heads up from um, – a friend of mine who's a PR guy in, in Dallas who's with me in San Jose, and he sent me a text 30 seconds prior. So I had a heads up that it was on the computer screen. And uh, I think I looked over at Tyler and I gave him a wink and he, and he froze. Like, I think I spooked him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at that point I, I was, I just, my draft, I don't even remember it. I think like Tyler says you black out. I mean, I don't know mm. what it was for you, Matt, but like I, you know, I, I remember getting picked 22nd, and I don't even remember walking down the stairs. I got drafted in Edmonton, going down the stairs, going on the floor, getting up, shaking Gary Bettman's hand. I don't remember any of it. It's just you see the pictures, and you're like, wow. Uh, it's a it's a neat moment for for 18-year-olds to get drafted, and um, it's one of those things that you hope goes the way you want it to, and, and you hope it's just the start of, of a great career. Math will talk about the fact that he wasn't anywhere near the draft wall. Uh, that no, I was I was in bed, but we won't get into that right now. It's all good. Uh, so I guess what was the reaction with the family afterwards uh, being selected 10th overall? And, I, and one of the questions I meant to ask was, did you guys have lots of meetings with Ottawa? Like, was there a clear cut that there was? I know you talked about interest, but was there an overwhelming sense of interest? Well, I to be honest with you, uh, Tyler was living in Michigan. Um you know, because he was playing for the national program. So all his interviews and stuff, I was not a part of like I, and I was on the road uh, with the playoffs. So he really was on his own doing that with his advisor. And I know that I think he talked to Ottawa several times and, uh, but he had talked to a lot of teams several times. And and I think that's where that, that interest from a, a lot of right. Teens, especially in the teens, I think that's where it was starting to, you know, gain steam. And um, but yeah, I think I think Ottawa showed a lot of interest. And uh, but like I said, he I give him a lot of credit. He you know he handled all this stuff on his own. You know, with the appointments and the zooms and all that. I know he I know he he, uh, he botched his schedule up a couple of times. He called me. He's like, oh my god, I can't believe it. I I I forgot my zoom with such and such team. And I was like, well, <laughs> oh, forget forget them. They they won't be drafting yet. You know. But, but to be honest with you, I, I was overwhelmed. I couldn't believe it. Like, you'd have, like, four or five Zooms a day, uh, you know, for weeks leading up to to the draft. So, um, I don't know if it was easier for teams to, to, to interview kids this way, uh, but it was a lot for them. I know that, you know, yeah, after yeah. draft night, he was relieved, you know, to mm -hmm. kind of, like, just be done with it. And now you, you're drafted by a team. You can kind of, you know, start, you know, planning your next steps uh, in, in, in hopes to get there. And that's, Fair. that's gotta be tough. That's gotta be tough as a dad though. Like I've got a son, he's only three, but I, I can only imagine, you know, you want to be able to help him because you've been there and he's only 17 or 18. 
and they're going through this process that most regular you know people out there don't go through with that like that kind of intense pressure at that age and mm-hmm. to me it's pretty brutal and I never had the chance to go through this like Bush I'm sure you had the opportunity to do a ton of interviews because you were a highly rated prospect at that time I never got to go through that but I mean at that age I was still in high school and I couldn't imagine you know handling that kind of pressure so is there is it just a situation where you're just kind of like Tyler just try to be yourself and relax try not to paint the wrong picture is, is that sort of your approach as a parent that was also an ex-player or do you just kind of try to guide them as much, as much as you can. Well, to be honest with you, I, it's funny, like he's at the age now where he wants to kind of spread his wings and be his own person. So I've tried my best to to get out of the way. And, um, you know, I let his advisor advise him, you know, like, you know, he, you know, and, and and handle it like you and I would have with our agents, you know what I mean? And and my dad never, he, he didn't play, so he didn't know he was, uh, he was a fan, but there's not much he could help me with. I mean, I, I just said to Tyler, if there's any questions you have, ask me. I'm not going to yeah. sit there and try and coach you how to do this. You know, I, I yeah. think you've got a good head on your shoulders. I think at the U.S. National Program, they do a good job of preparing these kids for a lot of things, not only on, on the ice, but the off-ice stuff, whether it's the workouts or handling interviews and dealing with, you know, with stuff like this. So yeah. I trust really does. I mean, I don't claim to have all the answers. Um, I just know that I went through it at a certain time. We played different positions. Uh, could I give him some insight? Yeah. Do I offer it every day? No, I try and just let him be his own person. And if he has questions come to me, but to be honest with you, he's, he's finding his own path and he's, he's leaning on the people that he feels he needs to lean on. And if he does have something, he comes to me, but it's, it's not that often. Yeah, so so Bush, and I just wanted to add more because you made a really good point there. How you guys are different positions. He plays with a little bit of bite. He plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Where does all that come from? Like I can't imagine you were kind of ingraining that in his head when he was five years old. Is that just his personality that that kind of comes out when he's on the ice? Yeah, I like to think, Matt, if I was a forward, I would have been this big power forward that was running guys <laughs> over and teeing off on guys and fighting everybody. But yeah. um, I don't know, man. I To be honest with you, he's um, he, he's always been a, an aggressive kid who uh, who loves sports, who always loved competing. And I think, you know, that's just what comes out in you, you know, when you want to when you want to win and you find the thing that I'm proud of is that, you know, I think we you know, when you're coming up as a, as a youth hockey player, you know, you're, everybody's in, uh, in love with speed and skill in the NHL, and which is great. It, it's, it is the speed and skill of these guys is so far superior to what we've seen 25 years ago, but yeah. not every kid is Connor McDavid, you know, like you have to find your, what makes you go. And I think he started to realize one that, you know, he enjoyed working out. So the off ice stuff was taken care of. Like he likes working out. Yeah, that's uh, he's, huge. He's physically mature uh, that way. So I think he got a lot of confidence that way. And he realized that when he got on the ice, he could use that strength and power to, you know, kind of do what he wanted to do out there and, and kind of play to his strengths. And mm. I think of course he'd love to be, you know, Connor McDavid some nights and skate through the whole team and uh, tuck it through his legs and put it top shelf and do it at a million miles an hour. But yeah, uh, that's not who he is. And he's found out what he is. And I think he's embraced it. And I think he enjoys watching guys like Matthew Kachuk and Brady Kachuk and Tom Wilson and these guys and J- Josh Anderson all, as well. And yeah. 
wants, wants to be like those guys. I'm not saying he is those guys, but there are times when he plays like there, there's a, you see, you see uh, that side of his game that, that comes out. And uh, you know, I yeah. think it's, I think it's a valuable uh, uh, tool to have. Yeah. And I think his timing is incredible because, you know, as you and I came into the league, when we did, you had at least two big heavyweights, right. On every team. Yeah. So if you played that hard nosed role and you happen to be a bit of a skilled guy too, it was hard to really impose your will on anybody because you knew someone was going to come knocking on your back. Right. <laughs> but I feel like players like Tyler, like your son and, and the Tom Wilson's out there now, really, there aren't a whole lot of answers for them out there anymore. Right. So they can really just right. have at it on the ice and get away with it. So to, to add to your point, I, I feel like there's a, a really big place for them now in the league and they can just have at it. They can impose their will and they don't have to fight some big mutant for no reason. Anymore. Right. So I, I feel like that role is incredibly effective. So I wasn't surprised when they drafted him to me, it was like, perfect. He's going to fit in perfect with the culture in this team. So I agree with you in that. And it's the perfect time for that player to come into the NHL and be effective right away. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, everybody kind of, you know, they want to look at point totals and stuff like that with with prospects that are coming up. And I and I get it. And some guys are, you know, they they put up a lot of points, but yeah. I, you you and I know that when you're when you're in a team setting and you're in a playoff series, you know, there are certain intangibles to a team that are valuable. And I yeah. think uh, the way you play, the style with which your team plays, I think all these things are very important in the identity of your team. And it seems to me like you know, when I'm just an outsider looking in, I, I don't claim to be an Ottawa Senators expert by any stretch. I, I really haven't done a lot of their games because I was in yeah. the States, but I watched him play and DJ Smith, especially in the second half of the season, it seemed like there was an identity to their club. They're hard to play. I against, agree. Right. And Brady Kachuk is like the, you know, is he, he's leading the charge with that, you know, and I think that fits right into Tyler's game and the way he wants to play. So I think it's a nice fit. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think you can have 20 of those guys on your team. You have to have a blend of players. And that's I think that's what makes uh, championship teams is you find the right the right chemistry. But I think it's so valuable now because, like you said, you don't really you don't have those guys that you have to worry about uh, night in and night out. Comparisons aren't always fair or even valid. But you brought up Tom Wilson, Josh Anderson, a few of those guys. Are you okay with the comparison to Tom Wilson? Do you think that that's fair, valid? Uh, I mean, I don't know about like a direct comparison, but I mean, if you're looking to, you know, if, if, a, if a fan hasn't seen a player play, I think, you know, when you're dra in a draft setting, I think if you're just trying to paint a picture, like, so the fan can understand who this kid is, I think it's fair to do in that sense, but it's not fair to Tom Wilson for all the work that he's put in and who he is to you know, say that an 18 year old kid is him. Like it's right. not, you know, Tom right. Wilson is his, is his own player. And Tom Wilson, uh, you know, has earned, uh, you know, his stake in the NHL uh, for what he's done. And, uh, you know, for the record, I love Tom Wilson and I love the way he plays. And yeah. I know that might uh, upset some people. I, to me, if you're a Capitals fan, you love Tom Wilson. If you're not a Capitals fan, you hate Tom Wilson. Yeah. Uh, to, and to me, that's uh, that's a compliment. Yeah, I, I couldn't know. think I mean, of one NHL team that wouldn't want Tom Wilson on their hockey club. I think that's Correct. that's that's really the end of the discussion right there. Would yeah. you want him on your team? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And for five million, yeah, you would. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, five million. Like it's a it, to me, it's a it's a bargain. I mean, for what he brings, uh, and he can play. This is not he's not he's not a guy that can't play. So that's why I have a ton of respect for him. And I don't want to I don't want to disrespect him by saying that 
my t- my son or anybody else is Tom Wilson. They're all their own player. But if you, I guess, if you're just looking for some comparisons, I think it's there. I think it's fair. Yeah, and very valid. Okay, so uh, you talked earlier about the teams wanting to get to know Tyler Bit with some questions. I made up some questions. I need you to answer. They're basically yes or no, uh, just so we can understand Tyler more. Does he keep his room clean? Yes. Has he ever been grounded? Oh yes. <laughs> does he does he wash the dishes? No, no. <laughs> Has he ever bought your mom flowers, or his mom flowers? Sorry. Uh, no, he has not. He has not. But he hasn't had his own money either. You know. Okay. I'll give him a pass on that one. Has he ever got you a tie for Father's Day? No. <laughs> And why is he not a goalie? What did you do to scare him off being a goalie? <laughs> well, if, you, if you look at my career stats, you can see that it wasn't great. And it was a lot of, <laughs> it was a lot of stress on my wife. And it's a true story. My, my wife said to me, she said, when he started playing hockey, she says, please discourage him from being a goaltender. That's all mm-hmm. I ask. And I mm-hmm. said, okay, you've got my word. I will do my best to steer him away from it. And he wanted to be a goalie for the longest time. And, uh, but it turns out that I think what he wanted was the gear. Like that's what attracted Mm -hmm. me to wanting to be a goalie too, is the mask and the pads. And, you know, when I was coming up, you know, there were Brown pads. I just wanted a pair of colored pads. I was like, that's amazing. Like red and blue pads. And, uh, once I got him a Bauer mask from a Bauer rep, that was it. The discussion stopped. He never again mentioned about wanting to be a goaltender. And I think maybe he played net a handful of times, you know, like when they rotate kids through. Uh, but he never, he never after that ever questioned it again. I think he enjoyed skating and, and scoring some goals. Yeah. It's I, I remember I, I got a pair of Canadian goalie pads when I I don't know how old I was, maybe 10, 12. And they were horsehair filled and they just yeah. smelled that leather. They were great. I, I always remember just having that gear. That's, that was the best part. Yeah, for sure. D, D, DNR pads. Oh, I had yeah. DNR pads. They were red and blue. And so my parents were from uh, uh, just outside of Sherbrooke, a town called Magog in Quebec there. So we'd go up there every Christmas because that's where my parents are from. We'd visit family. And there was a you know, sports experts uh, store in town. And I'd go in there and I'd fiddle with the hockey gear. And they had a pair of red and blue DNR pads. And I, I just I didn't want to leave the store. So my dad surprised me and he had my uncle, we left the store and we left and we went back home to Rhode Island, you know, Christmas time, New Year's and I got nothing. And for my birthday, January 2nd, my uncle drove the pads down and uh, it was my a birthday gift for me. So it was like the greatest birthday gift that I ever had. I slept with uh, those pads. I love those. Yeah, that's true. Um, you, you uh, Tyler was born in Scottsdale. I'm just curious, did Austin Matthews play any part uh, just with him? Or was, he, or was Tyler already gone by the time that Austin Matthews was really becoming, I guess, famous, if you will? Yeah, well, uh, no, yeah, we didn't know Austin when yeah. when I was playing there. Uh, what, is he a 97? I think he's born in 97, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, six years older than Tyler. Yeah, the, uh, I, and I think I was out of there in oh five or oh six oh six yeah. maybe i got traded to calgary so yeah no uh, just the same i don't even know if austin was born born in uh, phoenix was he i think he was california but he grew up in, in phoenix but no it's pretty cool I, I, people don't realize that he was born in scottsdale tyler but uh he was yeah i think for the longest time he thought he was born in new jersey but that just goes to show you how much he pays attention <laughs> uh I, I just read a note about uh daniel briere's kids and him would hang out at the rink together um 
did do have you have, have they reached out i guess since knowing that briere's not far he's in you know the ottawa area in gatineau uh i didn't know if you guys had met up or chatted since yeah i know we haven't uh, danny sent me a nice text uh after after the draft um just congratulating me and um and tyler uh you know the kids they all went to school together uh, his kids are his youngest is two years older than tyler and then his two older boys are I think maybe four and five years older than Tyler, but you know, they all went to the same school system here um, in Haddonfield, New Jersey, where we live just outside of Philadelphia. And we all played for the same youth hockey program, uh, team Comcast. So we, we'd always see them around. And uh, I know Tyler enjoyed hanging around the locker rooms with them uh, and game days and, and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, it's, it's funny, like some guys stay in the area, some don't, the Breers did. And uh, I think, you know, they have a nice connection with those boys. Uh, I got to ask, Bush, how did you end up with three different stints with the Philadelphia Flyers? Was it like an ex-girlfriend you couldn't leave? Yeah, actually, it was four, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> so I, when I, so Meth and I would have been in Columbus, right? I remember, yeah, I remember playing with you there, but I, I think I was a call-up because it was the 2016 – or sorry, 2006-2007 season. And you were there – I think you were there for like a handful of games too, right? Or you played a handful Six of games. Weeks. Yeah, so there the you go. So, I had the deadline. I got picked up on waivers. So this is a great I, – I don't want to take up all the time here, but this is actually a really funny story. And I don't even know if you remember this. But so I was there. I got picked up off waivers by Columbus. And my wife stayed in Chicago with Tyler and my daughter. They were just really young. And uh, like three, four years old. And I'm there in the hotel and I'm trying to, you know, I, I'd go to dinner with you guys and stuff like that. And I'd say, hey, you know, let's, let's grab a let's grab a beer. You know what I mean? You guys were you guys are like, no, we're, you guys are so focused. You know, you want to make it. And I was like, I, OK, I can understand that. But <laughs> Jeff, remember Jeff, remember Jeff Platt? Jeff Platt? Yeah, of course. He was my so, roommate in Syracuse. So this guy, he would practice at a thousand miles an hour with. Yeah. Five games left in the regular season, a team that's not making the playoffs, right? We have an optional skate, and he's firing pucks, like, off the collarbone, and he's just – I'm just not in the mood. Like, it's an optional skate. I just want to, like, let's just get out of here, and we can move on with our day. Yeah. And I got wild at him, and I told him I, – I, I yelled at him. I said, if you shoot the puck again at, uh, at my neck, I said, we're fighting, right? And <laughs> And the next guy that comes down is Joachim Lidstrom. Remember him? He was a good player. Very good skill player. Yeah. Unreal. He comes down, next shot goes underneath the crossbar <laughs> and hits that back bar and goes plunk, plunk, you know? And everybody in the corner is like, like they couldn't believe it. They start like laughing and I lose it. I take my stick and I go to smash it on the crossbar and dislocate my shoulder. I dislocate my shoulder. Doug McLean, Doug McLean suspends me, right, and says they're not paying for my surgery. So now I'm like, I was borderline going to the minors anyway. So the next year, I called Paul Holmgren after shoulder surgery. I had nobody wanted me, right? I was on waivers to Columbus. They were a non-playoff team, and I really just needed to play. So I called Paul Holmgren, and I begged him. I said, can I please just sign a minor league contract and play for the Philadelphia Phantoms? I said, I just want to play. I don't want an NHL deal. I just want to get my confidence back. And he said, absolutely, no problem. Signed for 100 grand to play for the Philadelphia Phantoms. I played 42 games. And eventually from there, I, I signed with San Jose for a year and a half. And then I came back to Philadelphia um, because I think Homer wanted to sign me to a two-way contract but didn't have enough room. 
And I went to San Jose for a year and a half, and then I came back and signed for two years there. And then Homer brought me back a fourth time um, from Carolina, uh, but put me in the minors, uh, and that was the end of it. So uh, I think I think a lot of it had to do with Paul Holmgren, and uh, you know, I guess he liked me, hated me, but at the end of the day, he did a lot of favors for me, and I'm really grateful that he brought me to, to Philadelphia back because without that, I don't my career could have been dead after that columbus uh debacle uh, but <laughs> fortunately my my shoulder is good and strong now and uh yeah. you know I, I got a funny story to go along with. and it's amazing that like one moment that one subtle moment of jeff platt who plays for Bel- the belarusian national team by the way because i had to cover him at the world championships this year he's still Sorry. playing yeah but but because he's got his dual citizenship but had he not gone towards your neck followed by Joachim lindstrom Maybe your whole fate would have changed, and you'd be somewhere else right now, right? So imagine that, crazy, yeah. (laughs) And then you know, yeah, it's a great point. Uh, Another another thing too is try and call your wife uh, when you you know she's in Chicago with two two young kids, and I call her and I say, "Oh, hey, hey, hon, I I hurt my shoulder today." She's like, "Oh no," I was like, "Yeah, it's not good." She goes, "How did you do it?" And I told her how I did it, and she hung up on me. People don't understand. People don't understand how much stress, like being a hockey wife or an athlete's wife in general, especially if you're floating from organization to organization, you're playing multiple places. That's brutal for them because they don't like they don't get to lay any roots down. They don't get to have any concrete relationships with other people and friends. It's just like you're constantly on the move. So I I mean I can kind of sympathize with your wife for hanging up on you in that moment. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She had every right to, and you're right. I mean, it is hard for the spouses, you know, especially yeah. when you got one foot in, one foot out. It's not like they're signing backup goaltenders to six-year no-trade clause deal. That's right. So you know, but that you know, it is what it is, and you yep. learn to deal with it. And we've got great stories, and we've met a lot of great people along the way. And uh, but you're right; uh, she has every right to be mad at me for that. <laughs> so, who's your least favorite guy that you would face in practice? Is it Platt, or is there someone else that just <laughs> you drive you nuts? Uh, no, I, I, I've since forgotten uh, or forgiven Jeff uh, for that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if there was anybody that uh, I, you know, I when I first came in the NHL, uh, I remember John LeClaire, um oh. in Philly. I mean, he had a, a curve on his. It wasn't a curve. It was like the thing was like this. <laughs> And he ne- he came down the left side all the time, right? And just teed it up from the top of the circles. And it was <laughs> hard and it was high. And I figured out, I like I at first, you know, when you're a rookie, you kind of you'd go down and you're trying so hard to impress and it and, and it hurt every time. I said, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna go out when he comes down, he just buries his head. I'm just gonna step out three, four feet and take it before it actually comes up and hits me in, yeah. in, the, in the collarbone. And, uh, yeah, I think all he wanted to do is just take slappers. Like if you, I've played golf with John LeClaire too. He just wants to hit his driver as far as possible at all. Everything's about like hitting it hard and hitting it far. And that's all he wanted to do. He wasn't interested in deking me or want, or pump faking me. He just wanted to shoot it and see if I would grimace. And, you know, I think he took joy out of that and he did all the scoring and games and less than practice. Uh, awesome. You had uh, one of your times in Philadelphia, the 2010 era. Uh, Ray Emery was your, I guess, goalie partner, if you will. And I know he was battling back, trying to get through that, that all that hip stuff that was going on. Uh, what do you remember about your time with him? I guess uh, battling for the net, if you will. Yeah, um, 
you know, Ray came to Philly and I think he was getting a, a second chance from Paul Holmgren at that time. And it was kind of like a show me type deal. And I just, you know, you, you know, you hear the stories of players, some, you know, their reputation, you know, comes before them. And, you, you know, you always wonder what, he, what he's going to be like. I thought he was a great guy. And I thought he was a committed guy uh, when he got here. We, we had a nice relationship. Um, I, I, his work ethic was superior. Uh, he was in great shape. Uh, it was just really unfortunate for him. Uh, he started to develop this hip problem that was giving him issues and he was trying to play through it. And you could just see it wasn't easy for him. And he had a, he had a really tough surgery. I think they had to take bone from his, yeah. from his ankle and put it in his hip because his hip bone was dying. And he battled back from all that. And I know that it was, it was hard because we had a team that I think, uh, you know, we ended up going to the finals that year in a crazy way with all different goaltenders. But when he signed there, I think he, like, like I thought when I signed there, we had a chance to be a team that could go, go far and have a chance to win. They just brought in Chris Pronger. They traded for him. Uh, Carter and Richards were getting into their prime. Danny Breer was yeah. still a great player. Simone Gagne. I mean, we had a good team that, we stumbled. And I think for him, it just was, it was hard for him because he was in Russia and he wanted to just prove so badly that he could be a number one guy. And I, I tell you, if he was healthy, uh, we would have had no goalie carousel there that year. Uh, he would have been the number one. I would have been the number two. I think we would have been a good tandem. And I think we, yeah. we would have had much more stable goaltending than we had um, that year. And maybe it would have been a different story when we got to the final against Chicago, but unfortunately it didn't, it didn't play out that way. And, and now it's, uh, you know, obviously with Ray gone, it's uh, such a sad story. But I had so much respect for him because then after that, the way he battled back and came back and playing for Chicago and the perseverance that he showed, I think, you know, I think in the end, he ended up proving that he was a champion. Yeah, no question. Um, Philadelphia, by the way, I'm going to go right back there. They made so many changes this offseason. I'll ask you as a broadcaster, if you will. Uh, they've now just signed Derek Broussard. Uh, are you surprised at all the change they've made? And do you think, they've now maybe turned the corner of what they need to do here. I'm not surprised at the changes that they've made. They had to, I think, uh, you know, when, when Ron Hextall was here, you know, I think the idea was that this was going to be a, um, a rebuild and it was going to take some time and it required some patience. And I think initially uh, there was a lot of buy-in on that from uh, the fans um, and ownership. And I think, but as, a year or two went on. I think they realized that this could be done faster. And I think the impatience grew and, you know, the, the fans here in Philadelphia are hard. And, uh, you know, so when Chuck Fletcher came in, they had that success the one year uh, and, and Hart played great. And then he stumbled last year, but a lot of it I think had to do with the fact that this team just wasn't the same defensively. And they realized that they needed to make some changes on the back end. And I, I think the changes are, are going to help. I know Ristolainen, he gets killed by a lot of people for, you know, the analytics side of it. But, you know, Matthew and I know, like when you play on a team that loses every single night <sighs> and you, you got to put your gear on and go out there and try and put your best foot forward, it's hard. Yeah. You know, of course, the numbers aren't going to go in your favor. You know, he's a big guy that can move. Uh, you know, I think he's going to do well here in Philadelphia. I think it's a good pickup, uh, you know, and, and, you know, Keith Yandel's a guy that can run a power play. I think they've been they've been. The power play has been okay, but to be honest, it can be better. And I think they got a guy in Yano that can run the power play. I don't know that Provorov's overly comfortable at running the power play all the time. I think he's more of a second power play guy to me. I and agree. That's just the way I that's the way I see it. 
And yeah. Gossip Spare wanted to be that guy, but he was, you know, there was, it felt like a lot of nervous energy at all times, you know, and he had a great yeah. start to his career, but it's, you know, I think he just needed to change his senior. So I think, I think yeah. the moves are good. I think they needed it. And look, they, they trade a big guy in Jake Borchek, who is a big personality uh, that grabs everybody's attention. And, you know, I think Jake at times was always wanting to be more of a passer and the power play had to run a certain way. And he's a, he's a great player. And I think he'll be great in Columbus again. And I think getting a guy like Cam Atkinson, maybe more of a shooter, brings a bit of life, a little bit of energy. I think it's going to be good. And, but you know, all bets could be off. If, if Hart plays like he did last year, they're going to be in, they're going to be in a tough, but if he can find a way to turn it around and be the Carter Hart that we saw two years ago and three years ago, I, I think there's a chance that this team could be in the top three in their division. Yeah, no question. A lot of moves. Uh, are you excited? Uh, obviously with now the new ESPN deal and going there and being the, the analyst alongside our good friend, Ray Ferraro as well. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm totally pumped. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, in a lot of ways it's bittersweet because, you know, NBC was where I worked and we had a lot of great people there. Um, I'd been there six years, you know, they've had to deal a lot longer than that. And, um, you know, it's just tough, you know, when, when you find out that they're not going to be a part of it going forward, you know, you get nervous, you're like, well, you know, what does that mean for me? And, you know, I think everybody wants to find a new home. Unfortunately for me, I was able to find a home with ESPN. A lot of my peers are going over to the TNT side. So I'm happy for them. I think at the end of the day, we all, we all love the game. We all love covering the game. We all love being around the game. And there's a lot of great people that worked at NBC um, that, that are going to get another chance at another outlet. So that's great. But with ESPN, you know, it's the network that I watched growing up in the States, yeah. you know, and it's uh, a lot of it is nostalgic and it's amazing to be a part of, you know, the worldwide uh, leader in sports. And yeah. uh, they got a lot of people that love hockey too. And I know that it hasn't been, front and center for them for the last several years. But uh, I'm confident that with uh, the team that's assembled, we're going to, we're going to do the very best we can to bring in a, a great product in the States. And I can't wait to start. It's been a short off season. It's going to be a short off season, but uh, I'm excited to go. Uh, and this one will drive math crazy. Why are goalies better analysts than most any other position player? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're bullshitters. Uh, I'm not really sure. Maybe we're good at that. You know, if I'm not doing this, maybe I'd be a used car salesman or something. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think, you know what it is? I think I watched a lot of hockey, whether, you know, you're at the other end of the ice and you see the play developing down at the other end or you're on the bench and you're watching the game. You're, you know, you're seeing how players are reacting. You're, you know, the defenseman coming off and you, you know, you're hearing the coach talk to them and, you know, if you're paying attention, you can pick up on a lot of things. If you're not paying attention, yeah. then you won't pick up on stuff. Uh, but, you know, like I said earlier, I don't claim to know everything. Like, I don't I don't know what it's like to elude a forecheck, you know, as a defenseman and get two guys barreling down on you. And you got to find a way to to make a play and put a put a tape to tape pass on a guy's stick. And I don't know what it's like to score goals. I mean, I, I have an idea of, you know, what's difficult for me to stop you know, and what made me uncomfortable. So I try and, and spin it around that way and, and, and use my knowledge that way to, to analyze the game. But I'm still learning every single day. There's so much you can learn in this game at all different positions. And I think that's what makes it so good. Uh, I, I, we always ask this question to all our guests. Do you have a favorite snack if you were to sit at home and watch a movie? It's a very ice important cream. question. Uh, ice cream to me is like, I love ice cream. And uh when I was a kid, uh, gosh, I eat a pint of cookie dough ice cream a day. You know, <laughs> if I, yeah, if, if that's my one guilty pleasure is that is ice cream. 
uh, and hey, this go. is this is one of the first times a guest didn't hesitate. Like Boost just threw it right at us. <laughs> so I believe him. I believe him for this is good. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I try not to eat much of it now, though. You know, the, the Toms, they <laughs> your are, metabolism they is are. just a little different in retirement, right? <laughs> oh, and don't worry. Tyler reminds me of that all the time. You know, he'll give me a little pinch and stuff. So I wish I could be 18 again. Hmm. Amen. Uh, did you have a lot of superstitions as a player? As Because goalies are a little quirky. Let's admit it. Uh, yeah, we are quirky. Um, I, I, you know, I always put like my left skate on first, my left pad on, and then I had some stupid thing I do at the end of the anthem where I'd skate around and then I would do like a squat and jump up. And I don't know if it's superstition or just like a routine that routine. you get into and you know, that's a routine. And a, yeah. And, and, uh, and I tap my, out of face off, I tap the ice twice and then tap my toe twice. I don't know why, but I just did it. It just felt comfortable. You know, I think the one thing that I realized is I got longer in my career, all like the pre, uh, the stuff that you do to warm up, like, you know, if you play good, all of a sudden you got to do it. You added another thing to your pregame routine. Like I was so exhausted just preparing for a game like that. Would, I, I would love to play in the NHL today, but I would want to do it on this on this term. I would want to show up literally 20 minutes before and put my gear on and go play and take my gear yeah. off and get out of there. But yeah. you can't do it's impossible, right? You know, and that, that's 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 why you play men's league or barely uh, because you can do it that way. But that, that, that's what <laughs> wore me out in the end was all that preparation just to play. It was it just got to be too much. I agree. I totally. Yeah. Like and, and same for me, Bush. Like I I was very hyper, you know, focused and very pragmatic. So, you know, my routine was always very similar. I wasn't crazy about it, but I agree, though, that it's so time consuming and exhausting. Like you could have a game, you're playing the next day, right? Well, the day before, I got to make sure I'm eating pretty well. I got to make sure I sleep well at night. You know, I can't be out too late. I got to do this. I got to do that. Like you're never really turned off until the season never. is over, right? And then yeah. all of a sudden I get sick or I get strep throat because my body's, my body's finally just going, you know, time to take a break here and recover. And I feel like I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. And that's something most people don't realize. It's that the mental exhaustion of a grind of 82 games is very difficult. Yeah, it's hard. And then also think about this. How did you feel in August? Uh, I don't know about you, but I was so stressed in August that my conditioning wasn't good enough. Same. I'm like, what are we, what are we doing for testing? I yeah. heard there's a six mile run and you're like, yeah. Oh my God, a six mile run. And you yep. got to do it in under 20 minutes or whatever the heck, you know, something stupid, it was you know, crazy. Like, what? Oh my God, you go run, you know, and, you know, and, and you're 10 minutes behind and you're stressed out and you're barking at your wife and you're barking at the yeah. kids and <laughs> it's not, you haven't even it's played true. a game yet. Oh, yeah. The worst. yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you say that because it, it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, maybe I was a little more relaxed toward the end, but even still the anxiety level is still there and the unknown of the fitness testing. And then of course, as you know, you know, you finish your testing. It doesn't matter if you feel you're, you're finished at the top or the bottom. If you have a poor first exhibition game, nobody gives a shit if you finish first in pull-ups. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but you don't know that in the moment as a player. You're just like, you're so consumed by it. And if that, and so like you mentioned, if I could go back 10 years and just calm myself down and say, Mark, relax, nobody gives a shit. I think I would right. have been better for it, but nobody ever did that. <laughs> right. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, these are the things that I think a lot of fans don't recognize, right? Uh, the little things. And, uh, you know, I'm not complaining because it's a great life. No, of course it's not. Great, it's a great, it's a great career. It was, sure. it was awesome, but it's not. Uh, 
you know, in the end, it, it catches up to you. In the end, you yeah. just you can't keep up with some of these young kids. They come in and these kids can do whatever they want because they're 18, 19, 20 years old and you're 36. And that's just the way it yeah, is. Uh, yeah. Last couple of questions. One is, do you have a think of a Stanley Cup favorite at the moment? Uh, Ooh, good question. Yeah, that is a good question. I, 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 I like Colorado last year. And I, I can't, I just can't bet against Colorado. You know what I mean? I like I just, and I, and I feel like I should be given respect to Tampa because they've proven twice, but they also lost, you know, some significant pieces uh, this year with, you know, Coleman and Goudreau going away and, and Gord. So I think I'm going to go with Colorado. I think they're finally going to push it over the top. I mean, yeah. their back end's ridiculous. McKinnon's ridiculous. Um, yeah. They just need – I, I just can't even believe they lost to Vegas last year. I just was shocked how they, they just petered out. It was, it was shocking to me. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, Ray Ferraro got to have one of the coolest moments, and that was being able to do a game with his son Landon Ferraro in it. Have you given any thought to that, and will you be trying to do all the Ottawa games in the near future uh, once Tyler's in the NHL? And How exciting would it be to be able to call a game that your son's playing in? Yeah, I, I, it has crossed my mind. Um, you know, when I was with NBC, like we'd have pregame interviews down at ice level and stuff like that. And I was, boy, would it be pretty cool to interview your son and see how he would, uh, I'm sure he'd lip me off or something like that. He'd, he'd probably have a, <laughs> something for me. Um, but yeah, I've thought about it. it. It'd be pretty neat. You know, like it's, um, it's a pretty cool job, you know, the one that I have now. And to still be involved in hockey um, on this side of it is, is awesome. And, and the success that my son has had, you know, as a kid, and now he's in this position, you know, it, 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 it could line up. I'm not saying it's going to, it could, uh, I hope it does. It'd be great to call a game, but at the same time, I'd also like to just watch his game. You know, like yeah. I, I don't want to sit there. I don't want to sit there and have to, well, there is a, there's a, that's a dirty hit by Boucher. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have to say that. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to have yeah. to bury the kid. Um, I, if I could just get a, I'd like to do one and then maybe get a pass on all of his games and maybe just sit there and watch it as a dad. Yeah. Uh, I, I can imagine you, you don't want to do the first one for sure. No, gosh, no, no. I would want to watch. I'd want to watch that one. Yeah, for mm. sure. Take that in. Yeah. Well, we look forward um, to, but, to seeing both of you, uh, in Ottawa, right? We want to see Tyler Boucher light it up and, and put on the and the Sens jersey, and we'd like to see you calling the game. And if not being in the stands, the alumni, or I should say the dad's trip, would be phenomenal with all the former players that are in this organization at the moment. True. I was just going to say that. Like, that's the one trip that I'm looking forward to. Hopefully we can <laughs> knock this COVID thing out of the way and we get back to a good old-fashioned dad's trip uh, with oh, yeah. those. That'd be some, uh, some good stories with those guys. I'm just, any dad that didn't play in the NHL, I mean, grab a chair and listen uh, to the stories <laughs> that these guys to soak it all in. It would be great. Yeah, yeah it'd be phenomenal. And I hope it's soon. Uh, Brian Boucher, thank you for your time. Uh, all the best in the uh, upcoming season with uh, ESPN. We look forward to hearing your call. Uh, thanks, guys. Great to be with you. Thank you. And once again, thanks to Brian Boucher for stopping by and all the chat. Uh, he has some great stories. Matt, the one thing I don't like when you face the Flyers, was it always an intimidating time? Like they always wanted to be that big bruising team, but they never really had the really strong goaltending to back it up. Uh, they were like, they were, they were still pretty tough early on. Like when I, when I just broke into the league, perhaps 
Yeah. But I think it was mostly in their, in their farm system. The, the Phantoms always had a oh, bunch yeah. of really strong, tough guys. It was just kind of a nightmare to play against them. But yeah, the NHL team was already kind of moving on from that. I think. The one thing I forgot to ask Brian and I meant to, and I'm sure he w- wouldn't have appreciated it anyway. He was one, one nine and one against the Ottawa senators in his career. So uh, probably a good thing. Nice. I left it out. Anyway, Craig, uh, <laughs> welcome back. Sorry. I didn't mean to keep you there. Oh, it's, man, uh, it's, 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 <laughs> how's your summer been? It was good. Yeah. It was a nice little break we took there. It was good to kind of take, take your foot off the gas for a little bit. And so it, like you mentioned at the beginning, there's a couple of things we wanted to kind of change and work on and catch up on and whatever. So it was a good opportunity for us to kind of take a breather, come back. And then, so now refresh before we start back up again. So yeah, it was good. Nice to have a little downtime. How about Very you, Brent? Nice. Brent? It was good to, I, 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 everyone that asked me, I just assumed you like you kept working. That's the way I looked at it. <laughs> <laughs> we took Maybe. a break and, and you kept working. That's how I yeah, well, you, Do you know the you other thing I've done? isn't smart was uh i've always wanted to get involved in my son's hockey but i've always traveled so never had commitment or always had mm-hmm. commitment issues so this year i said i'll join and i joined the local association uh board i now i just work all the time like uh, it's yeah. more work now than anything else i do it's so funny mm-hmm. man and actually yeah. you're leading me perfectly into what i'd like to talk about a little bit today which is uh, i want to talk about hockey parents a little bit and you're you've had an opportunity now to be a little bit more of a hockey parent now that the travel restrictions uh, aren't there anymore for you uh matthew you grew up right you have a hockey parent so and you got kids now so uh and, and we had brian boucher right whose son was just drafted by the ottawa senators makes it all kind of loops it all together here so brent why not can we just start with that then like what's your what's your experience <laughs> like now been kind of being God. being on the official side of uh of hockey dads like i've always known there to be crazy hockey parents there just is uh and it doesn't end so just we just went through tryouts and you see a lot of stuff that gets said and afterwards of parents who don't, their kid doesn't make it. And they think it's all politically based and you try to avoid all the politics that are involved in minor hockey. And there are still some regardless, no matter what happens either way. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on that you try to eliminate, but boy, uh, there was a, like there have been, and I won't say it's this year, but there have been parents in the last the years going into tryouts of son, like, you know, my son, if he's not in the top two, uh, top three goaltending or top two goaltending, I want him released right away so he can go play somewhere else. Well, what if your goalie ends up being, he would rank number three, but they released him because he said he's number, they, he needed to be number two. Like parents continue to hoop their kids into doing this stuff sometimes. And so I, like parents just need to step back. And that's the one thing the coach said this year. It's like, I have enough friends. I don't need any of you. I just want to coach your kid. So if you need to talk to me, you got to go through the convener or whatever. Like I don't need to talk to you. And so mm-hmm. uh, it just, it's sometimes it gets out of control. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I grew up in hockey, Matthew, you, you did it as well. Like looking back on it, how, I mean, well, let's talk about a good thing first. Uh, what was your, what, what were your parents like bringing you to games? I imagine was it more your dad than your mom? That's kind of the case for what it was. For yeah. Me, but... Both my parents worked like shift work. So my mom was an emergency nurse yeah. and my dad was a police officer. So, you know, they both had crazy busy schedules. So they were split. My dad coached me a little bit. I was very fortunate to have him as a coach. Um, you know, he's really good at pushing me the right way. Uh, not a screamer, but still had a very strong presence, you know, and, if there was something that he noticed, you know, in a game or that I wasn't trying, you know, I'd let, he'd let me know in the car on the way home, but like mm. in a, just a stern way. And so I had a lot of respect for that. And, and, he, and he led me the right way, a lot of skating, power skating, all that stuff, but very involved, 
very serious. That was just his demeanor and, and being a police officer at that time as well, I think had something to do with it and his personality. But, and my mom of course was more of the soft approach. So obviously I was always excited at my mom drive me to games, yeah. but, um, but no, I mean, you know, yeah. my brother, my brother and I were lucky because my dad was a good, good, pretty good player as well. So we were able to skate with him lots growing up and he'd always rent the ice for us at Minto arena, the little studio ice in the summers that we would share with other parents, of course. And, and the kids would, we'd go out there and just scrimmage. It was, it was always fun. And to me, that was my biggest takeaway. Nice. Now, uh, I, but sorry, when you got to triple a level, would you play the 67s? What would have been your triple a team? Gloucester? Uh, so we didn't have triple a when I was a player. There was no, there was okay. no triple a as a kid, right? It was double a, that was the highest level you could play at. And I played for the Ottawa sting. Okay. So did you yeah. sense that all the parents kind of felt like, they were the next NHL player. There's some, some of them yeah. for sure. And that's the tough some part. Of them. Yeah. And that, but you know, it's funny that started to fade a little bit. Once we got to minor Bantam, where it was our OHL draft year at the time, that's where you were getting drafted to the OHL. Um, a lot of that bullshit kind of went away because it was very clear who were the very good players. And yeah. maybe some of those parents who were a little crazy in the years prior, you could, you could tell they kind of understood where their kids stood at that point. Um, and, and that was a good thing. So, but there was always crazy parents, the screamers in the stands. I never understood mm. that. The ones that were screaming from the crowd, like, like, and it's one thing to be cheering your kids on. It's another to be screaming at the refs or screaming at yes. so-and-so. I, I just, I never understood it. And that would have embarrassed me if my parents were like that. I would have had to have told them, but again, I guess as a kid, you don't know any better. So I feel like just to touch on your, co your, your, your comment there, Wally, one last thing. I don't think that's ever going to change. I think it's just human nature. Some people are nuts. Some people are a little more reserved and then you get the people in between. And it's, it's sometimes those people need a reminder, but even then I feel like it still won't change. I think it's no. just who you are. And some people are like that. Well, now because of the, you shouldn't be talking at all, whatever there's hand signals. So you can look up and see parents giving hand signals to kids. What? Like, yeah. It's... So I, it just, it, it doesn't oh. like there's, it doesn't, yeah, that's weird. That's the that's tough part. Like just, and, and people think, no, that doesn't get noticed. Well, I can tell you, like, the coaching staff tells me about noticing, like, did you see that let's, tearing up there with the hand signals? Let's put this into perspective for everybody. I, so I played in a league with a lot of teams. The only players that even got a lick of NHL time from that entire league was myself, of course, and Grant Klitsum. Wow. Two defensemen, kind of stay-at-home D-men, that weren't really that special in minor hockey. I mean, I, I, I was good at the fundamentals, like – skating and all that stuff but i wasn't lighting up the lamp every night all those goal scorers that were hogging the puck and never picking passes some of the parents were crazy <laughs> they didn't even make it to, to major junior hockey let alone the pro level so the point is all that stuff i mean it's it's just about progression and getting slowly a little bit better every year and being consistent uh, i feel like people have a, a skewed uh, viewpoint of what it takes to make it to that next level and are can be a little too hard on their kids and and so if I could leave anybody with that, it's like sometimes it's the last person you expect that'll end up making it. Absolutely. And and right now, like we're going through the hitting phase with my kid. And it's the first year he's had hitting because last year there was no contact. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a huge separator. Oh like yeah. You're like right. If you're not <laughs> like and, and my kid's on the smaller size, and there's probably a 70 pound weight difference to some of these oh, kids God. and, and yeah. inches, right? Yeah. But if you're not ready to take that you're not going to play at that level. And so that whole hitting thing changes all these guys who think they can fly up and down the ice because all yeah. of a sudden they run into a wall or yeah, a hip check. I agree. Yep. It's uh, crazy. I, I got to do, I do have a question though. And that is uh, 
parents are still parents. And when they see that perhaps their kid's not playing up to his potential or his best, they get like, I don't know, frustrated is the word, but you can tell they're a little disappointed. So did you ever joke with your dad knowing like, I know if you shake your head or if you stand this way or that way, I know oh, you're yeah. pissed off at me. Like oh, my yeah. kid will say, he goes, I can tell you're mad at me just by the way your arms are folded. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that, and that's, that's again, <laughs> like you can't blame your parents for that. I'm sure I'll be like yeah. that with my son, you know, oh, because yeah. all you, all you want is your kid. I'm sure. And I'm sure this was the case with my mom and dad, or especially my dad. You just want your kid to, to try hard and work hard, right? At least yeah. put in the effort. And so, and, and it, that's part of learning, right? Like that, that, and that can translate to anything you do off the ice. Sports are a great mechanism for that. It teaches you a lot of stuff that you can bring with you in the real world. And so I'd look at my dad and if his arms were crossed and he had a bit of a stern look, I knew, <laughs> I knew at that point. And then, and then on the flip side, when he was laughing with other parents and looked a little happier, I knew that I was probably playing a little bit better of a game. Yeah. So again, it's yeah. all, it's all relative and, and, and I don't blame him for any of those other nights. Oh, it's uh, such an interesting time. Sorry, Craig. No, that's okay. La- last thing I was going to touch on was something that uh, came up kind of at the end of the interview there where they talked about the dad's trip and how legendary the dad's oh, trip yeah. might be with all oh, these alumni on this one, uh, which, yeah, that'd be amazing. Uh, Matthew, what do you, yeah. how many dad's trips so, did your dad do? I got a good story there. Hey, it's, good. So, yeah, my dad came on a bunch of trips, always very outspoken, always had killer speeches. He was hilarious, especially when I was in Columbus and in Ottawa. He was always a treat to bring with the team in Dallas is when I got hurt, but my dad happened to be in Dallas at the time preparing to go, you know, for this dad's trip. But I, at the last second, couldn't go on the trip. Well, lo and behold, my dad, he goes anyway. And the trip happens to be in Las Vegas. And so I'm in, I'm in Dallas, you know, or sorry, excuse me. Yeah. I'm staying home in Dallas. My dad decides to go on the trip anyway. They encouraged him to do so. And apparently had a blast. He was, and, and I'm getting videos from guys like Jamie Ben and and uh, and bish showing me videos of my dad dancing like 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 on the dance floor with some random vegas dancers and stuff like that <laughs> having the time of his life and i'm at home nursing my my <laughs> my knee so um again those are just small examples of what the dad can get dads get a taste of when they go on the road they have a blast the coaches take them out uh they go to these fancy dinners they go to see their kids play uh they get these cool uh, uh, suit jackets that have a you know your name embroidered inside with the team logo uh the, the teams for the most part do it up really well and, and take good good care of the dads i do think the mom's trip probably is probably more wild than the dad's trip right like i just think the you, moms all- the moms the moms get in get in arguments more uh <laughs> believe it or not not a surprise at all to me i don't care if i take flack for saying it it's a firsthand experience that I've seen. And my mom never, I don't think my mom ever actually came on a trip. Maybe she did once, but, but from what I understand, the women can get a little more, uh, you know, a little more competitive with each other. So uh, it's a little different. It's a different animal than the men. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Brent, yeah. you, you covered some of these road trips with the dad's trips and stuff. Where the, yeah. had the dynamic for you change on the road when now these guys have their dads around and maybe they're getting, they're getting those looks, not the hand signals, but maybe their dads are giving them those looks or. Oh, they whatever. all play better, right? Like all the guys play better because you've got your dad yes. in the stands. And so those are the ones, the trips you always try to work around when you need a couple of points. You're like that's when we need the dad's trip. So, uh, and the, pl- and the players are for the most part relaxed. It's the guys perhaps on the bubble that don't get to play every game. They really want in. And when they aren't, they're a little more stressed out because they want to play in front of their dad, obviously. But for the most part, that trip is relaxed. It's fun. Uh, guys yes. play extremely well and, and it makes it a lot more entertaining when you can put the dads. I love interviewing parents in a broadcast. 
we, uh, we did Max, Max LeJoie scored, had a goal and assist in his first period of his NHL game. Uh, we had his dad on right after. We had Drake Batherson's dad on when Drake, I think, scored in his first shot in the NHL. Uh, there's been a few along the way. Those things are always fun to do. Yeah, and, and I wanted to add the biggest takeaway. I think that my dad, I because st- I still remember him making that comment was the the amount of food that we that we ate, oh, yeah. and he could not keep up. You know, because we'll we'll get up in the morning, have a massive breakfast, big pregame meal, then there's a pregame snack, and then there's a postgame meal. And I think I just I don't think he understood how much food we ate as players until he experienced it firsthand. He's like, I'm okay, I'm good, I can't eat anymore, and and so he basically starved himself all day until this massive <laughs> meal at dinner time. So uh, those are little things I think that as a parent, you don't understand in the meetings, you know, we'd sit down when Ken Hitchcock was my coach and, and just to see how the coaches communicate with the players and all the meetings prior to games and in the morning skates. Um, I don't think the parents understood how much work and time goes into the game. And, and so th- those were eye-opening experiences for my old man. Okay. So did Hitch though, knowing how quick witted he is step up the chirp game when the dads were in there? Yeah. Oh yeah. And and he'd make fun of the dads too, right? Like if, if a dad was like kind of, kind of dragging his feet a little to get into the meeting or, or, you know, late to, to, to whatever we were doing at that time, Hitch wasn't scared to call that, that dad out and just flat out embarrass him in front of the whole group. And that was just, that's Hitch, right? And, and a lot of coaches would have fun with the dads too. Yeah. It's not like a, you know, they were just chirping them, but, but it was always a, there was a really cool dynamic there because they don't want to go overboard, but they'd still give them some jabs. Yeah. Well, it's the respect level, right? Like yeah. And Hitchcock or all the coaches understand what those dads have sacrificed to get their kids That's to right. the National Hockey League. So the respect yeah. level is huge. That's why it's always a fun trip. Yeah. Uh, last little tie in here. Uh, Matthew, you got a, you, speaking of crazy hockey dads, you got a little Netflix recommendation oh my God. you wanted to drop for us. Kind of yeah, ties it all together good, nicely there. Yeah, that was a good setup, Craig. No, yeah, I just wanted to just throw this out there because I, I just finished a documentary, a Netflix documentary. Uh, it's a, part of the Untold series. There's the Caitlyn Jenner one and there's, um there's like a boxing one right yeah there's the boxing one that one was great too i watched that one on the plane so last night i watched uh uh, it's called crime and and penalties and it's basically uh the galante family out of connecticut a mob family that decides to own a uhl hockey team and they're called the trashers and these guys own a garbage business i have that jersey it's wally craig this this documentary is basically tiger king mixed with hockey it is freaking crazy i don't want to give any give away any spoilers when everybody out there listening and you guys included get a chance to watch this documentary watch it they it's basically a mixture between the sopranos uh gladiators or wwe and uh and hockey and 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 it's it's just nuts these guys basically put together a team of meatheads and they beat the crap out of every team this is (laughs) i follow this team wild so oh uh, man Back when they first started, I needed, I wanted a jersey to wear for beer league hockey. So I started looking around at all the crazy logos that were out there to yeah, order a jersey. And I found yeah. the guy coming out of the garbage can. So I, yeah. I ordered this jersey. Anyway, Bruce Gardner, the former Ottawa Senator, played on that team. Oh, I don't know if he's well, in yeah. the documentary. So, so, so yeah, it's so the, the, the Danbury Trashers. And yeah. as, as they had, I don't think Roman this is really Ender. a spoiler. So, so to get in, to, to get the team going, to make a big splash, they signed Brent Gretzky as a player. <laughs> and it was this big deal. Mike, Mike Rupp during the lockout year went and played okay. there. And, yeah. and, and Rupper actually is on the, in the movie briefly talking about his experience and the money that these guys are getting paid under the table. It's just, it's friggin' wild. 
I, I, I could watch it again. My wife missed out on it because she was out uh, with her friends when I was. So I'll probably make her watch it with me because I'm. I'll gladly watch this thing again. It's just crazy. Uh, it's it's untold crime and penalties. Very good documentary series. I'll have my jersey for the show uh, next show. Like, <laughs> good, I still good. have it. Um, I might. I'll order one. Yeah. I think Roman Ender got 20 games in a suspension. Yeah. I think he attacked an official. Yeah. Oh, there's some of the fights. Anyway, yeah, yeah I'll leave yeah. it at that. All right, yeah. I'm gonna go really watch good. that. Okay. Sure. Yeah, we also we all well, Brent, Brent and I have something to do now. Uh, everybody else, we can give everybody else something to do because we're we're doing uh, trivial trivia is back, presented by GongShow.com. So check out uh, their fall lineup of hats, buckets, hoodies. We got some great stuff on there. So go check all nice. that out. Uh, grab your stuff at uh, GongShow.com. Uh, so for today's trivia, uh, speaking of our friends at Gong Show, we got a, one of their puck luck games to give away. We we gave some away before. They're awesome uh, for you and a buddy. Line up across each other. I think well, you can play foursies too. Like there's, it's pretty sweet. Uh, so we got another one of those to give away. Gong Show's the best. Um, yeah, they are. They give us the best stuff to give away. So we got a nice little easy question for you. Easy. I don't even know the answer to be honest with you. Um, but today's question for a puck luck game is: uh, Who is the only Ottawa Senator to register a hat trick against? Brian Boucher. If you know the answer to that, head on over to Twitter uh, and use the hashtag Wally and Thought. Be sure to tag at Gong Show Gear and uh, give us your answer. And we're going to announce the uh, winner on our next show. Hmm. By the way, Gong Show taking care of us at our golf tournament, which is only now a week away. Next uh, September the tenth is our solo golf tournament that we're playing. In How's your golf game? Right? How's your golf game, boys? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm there for comic relief. Okay, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Mine's not great. I I haven't been playing very much this summer, so ah, we don't need to win okay. our tournament. It's okay. No. Yeah, <laughs> well, we, we, we should get like a an extra stroke a hole something i don't know yeah I, or just just drink i'm just gonna have Man. some drinks and try to relax <laughs> try and keep it try and keep it between the fairways or, yeah. there will exactly. be some white waters yeah. on hand uh yeah. all right and our next show is by the way monday we have dave poolin lined up to join us for nice. monday on labor day That'll be yeah a fun so one. i was like do you work on mondays on labor day he's like i will I will join the show. So we're going to we work. We more. work on Labor Days. Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> That's good. Ah, it's not that. It's not hard work. These guys have fun when they come on our show, right? Yeah, man, it's easy. Yeah. So, so uh, live on, live on Mondays. That we're doing. Uh, we're recording. We, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. There's a show coming. There's a show, there's a show coming on Monday. Yeah. All, right. All right. We'll Sounds see good. you on Monday, everybody. Uh, take care. You You're watching the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Time for us to drive on out of here. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.